Hey, Mary. Yes, Katie? How come only the pirate with the eye patch was able to make it to shore? Mm. Uh, mm, because he wasn't lost at sea. Uh, see? Mm. He could see? He had one eye see? I don't know, Katie. Because it was one island. Oh. <laughs> one island? So get it? Yes, I get it. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it's so dumb. Hello and welcome to the Gentleman Pirates Library, a podcast covering every episode of the HBO show Our Flag Means Death. I'm Katie. And I'm Mary. And today we're going to be taking a deep dive into episode one, The Pilot, also known as the one where Steed has a midlife crisis and cosplays a pirate captain, but then actually becomes one when he accidentally kills his childhood bully. But first, let's have a look at the results of our Twitter poll. This week, we asked you, how did you first hear about Our Flag Means Death? And the answer was pretty overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The results of that poll were really surprising for me in in more ways than one. I don't know about you. Uh, No, it was pretty on par with what I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think think what was surprising is the sheer number of people who responded. I was not expecting that kind of response. (laughs) (laughs) That was surprising. That was pleasantly surprising. Yeah, exactly. But it just shows you just how enthusiastic this fandom is. Yes, absolutely. And I think that there's, it it, it definitely says something about how passionate the fans are and how needed this kind of show is Mm -hmm. right now in fans. Absolutely. So we had a couple of options. One of our options uh, was, did you hear about it on HBO Max? Did you hear about it on social media? Was it recommended by a friend? Or did you hear about it through an ad or through some marketing? And we had 1,070 votes. Yeah. And the final result was um, overwhelmingly with 77.8% was on social media, Mm -hmm. which did not surprise me at all. No, yeah. Uh, that's kind of what we had heard, right? That a lot of people heard mm-hmm. about it through social media. And that was my own experience too. I didn't really, I don't, I didn't have HBO Max. So mm-hmm. it wasn't something that I could have heard. I certainly didn't see any ads or marketing for it. But I saw so much on social media and I was like, yes. maybe I should watch this show. Mm-hmm. Next after that was 11.3% was recommended by a friend and then after that, 7.4% was on HBO Max itself. 3.6% was ads or marketing. Um, but I did find interesting the replies because some of them were a little bit different. They mm-hmm. uh, found it through following the careers of some of the actors or creators. Mm-hmm. For me, anyway, the way that I'm interpreting this is that um, this show is sort of like making its way through multiple fandoms on word of mouth alone. Yes. And that must be incredibly um lucra- not lucrative but uh, I'd like say powerful. Certainly powerful and mm-hmm. definitely very economically advantageous for HBO Max yes. because they haven't yes. had to spend any money on ads yeah. or marketing, right? Mhm. Which is why they can just 
they can just renew it, right? Because they didn't spend any money on it. They'll just renew it. I feel like they should. They should. That alone. That alone. They don't need They don't need to advertise it. We'll do the work. No. We'll do it for yes. them. We promise. <laughs> we'll do your homework every night <laughs> yes, for exactly. a month. I swear <laughs> I'll take out the dog when he needs to pee, please. Yes, please. Just give us the puppy. <laughs> we'll do all the work. Yeah, we'll do all the work. We'll feed it every night. Yes. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to dive into the episode? I think so. So, Katie, I wanted to ask you if you had any, like, general thoughts and impressions about this episode, like, before we sort of get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, I love a good fish out of water story. Ooh. And so Steed, to me, is very much a fish out of water mm-hmm. um, and in a very delightful, bright-eyed, optimist kind of way, which I just, I, lo- I love that so much. Um, you know, it even gives you sort of um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where yeah. they just sh- go forth with complete <laughs> certainty that they are going to succeed in their mission. Yeah. And in some ways, they're morons but in other ways it's endearing and so that's kind of um this first episode is just really building the world of this fish out of water and all the people surrounding him that are definitely in water and are like who is this moron and some of them are a little bit more sympathetic than others but Mm -hmm. I just I really loved being introduced to Steed in this way it was a really great episode I agree. I really, I walked away from watching this episode for the first time, like just completely charmed by mm-hmm. this world and by Steed, particularly, obviously mm-hmm. by other characters that we'll talk about later, but yes, particularly by Steed. And I felt like so much of the episode was about expectations, mm-hmm. uh, both like the viewer's expectations, my own expectations, but also like steed's expectations and the character's expectations like of steed and of themselves and Mm -hmm. it sort of felt like i so i knew that this show was about subverting expectations but i feel like knowing that it subverted my Mm -hmm. expectations of having my expectations (laughs) subverted yeah (laughs) which i know sounds ridiculous well and i also think the title and the platform it's on um I know people were saying it's a pirate rom-com, but I thought they were joking. And yeah. so, like, I really wasn't expecting as much comedy and smiles and happiness. I was like, it's a pirate show on HBO Max, Max that's called Our Flag Means Death. Yeah. Like, surely there's some gruesomeness to it. And maybe we're just um, uh, so used to it with the new Game of Thrones-esque, everything has to be violent and, yeah. you know, the grim nothing dark. can be bright. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe that's, I was just expecting a little bit more darkness and maybe we'll get more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it was so bright and cheery and I just really loved mm-hmm. it. And there was enough intrigue in his backstory. Yes. And also the burning question of how are you not dead yet? <laughs> um, so I'm just, I was just totally hooked from the first minute in. So. <laughs> Oh my goodness, same. And like you're talking mm-hmm. about the brightness and like their use of color is also just mm-hmm. so smart, you know, like it's it's going to be, I think it's going to be something that we're going to need to track as we watch the different episodes because yeah. there was just so much yellow in this episode and mm-hmm. like bright blues and I was, again, completely charmed. So yes, there you go. Same. 
are we ready to start at the top of the episode yes. and just kind of yes, like let's. work our way through? Mm-hmm. All right. So the title card uh, read seventeen seventeen, the golden age of piracy. Mm-hmm. So do you know anything about the golden age of piracy? Do you have a little history to tell us about that? Yeah, well, I mean, to a certain degree, I did a little bit of homework in terms of looking up um, that particular age and the, why it was called like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as a, I know we've talked about it in episode zero, but just in case I am a graduate student. And so like, my first reaction <laughs> when I <laughs> found out that we were going to do this podcast was to hop into like Google Scholar and to look up mm-hmm. academic papers on uh, piracy, on Steed Bonnet, on Blackbeard, and basically on all of this. So it's such a good way to spoil yourself. I don't think I'm going to do that. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's but okay. this is kind of where I want to go with this, that yes, of course, we know that Steed Bonnet was a real person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he led an incredibly interesting life. Mm-hmm. One that was, that puzzled a lot of people, um, so much so that when he did leave his family to become a pirate, people genuinely, and, and I, and I quote, they, they thought he was mentally ill, Mm. um, right? And this is, you know, this is not, this is truly like kind of showing the, the ableism at the time. You sure, know, like sure, sure. You can't possibly uh, be wanting a different life than this incredibly comfortable life. You must, you must be mentally ill. Right. The way that it was described. So to his peers, the only explanation that made sense was that his humor of going a pirating proceed i'm I'm sorry it's it's kind of hard to read because it's old english also right and i'm i'm english is not even my um first language so like sometimes i'm like oh so i could always do it in my pirate voice if you wanted me to no i'm just teasing i'm teasing please (laughs) it'll ruin the scholarly nature of it (laughs) i think it would make it better go a pirate in like yeah (laughs) go a pirating yeah that's exactly what it is this humor of going a pirating proceeded from a disorder in his mind, which had been but too visible in him some time before this wicked undertaking, and which is said to have been occasioned by some discomforts he found in a married state. Oh. So essentially, he was sad in his marriage, and well. he decided to leave. And this is why I'm saying that, like, it was truly a midlife crisis. Like, he was not happy with himself mm-hmm. and so he left to go become a pirate and how um, many of us can relate to that i ooh. mean not going to be a pirate but um just you know not spoiling but spoiling how it turns mm-hmm. into a, a queer story how many mm-hmm. of us have discovered later in adulthood that mm, things are not all that they seem and having to yeah. explore that a little bit so i agree being framed as a mental illness, you know, Mm -hmm. is still something that unfortunately happens today. Absolutely. Uh, Especially people who make those big changes and who end up leaving their spouse mm -hmm. uh, to explore their, their sexual identity. You know, this is not, this is not only of that time. Mm -hmm. It really makes you think about the creators and why they cottoned on to him as a character. Mm -hmm. Uh, How maybe they saw themselves in him. There you go. And so to kind of come back to your original question of uh, 1717 and the golden age of piracy, I think it's because right around that time, and keep in mind, I'm not a historian, Mm -hmm. but right around that time, um, 
pirates went from being seen as like maritime knights mm -hmm. to essentially enemy of the state and war criminals, basically. Um, and that was showed in the way that Steed's trial was held and what happened to him, etc. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely this big shift. And this kind of talks to me about how... And this shift happened right when um, governments started outlawing piracy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and making it specific so that, like, you know, it was encouraged to uh, bring them to justice, etc., etc. Justice, quote-unquote. Right. That's interesting that the moment that it became outlawed, it became the golden age. What? So... It's is... kind of like when it ended, actually. Oh, okay, Because okay. right after that... So it um, got to be such a huge problem mm -hmm. that that's when they started outlining it. So... so There you go. Okay, okay. Now From I what it. I understand and what I've gathered, anyway, okay. that seems to be the case. And hey, maybe we'll be and... told different. <laughs> and maybe we'll be told different. <laughs> yeah. And please do, if you yeah. know a little bit more about the history of this. Uh, I, I'm always really excited to hear about new mm -hmm. stuff that I don't know. Uh, because some stuff is new to me although it is known to others so please let us know yeah definitely now correct me if i'm wrong but mm -hmm. so he was from barbados correct yeah that's right. and then the pirating all happened up and down the eastern seaboard of what is now the united states of america yes that's right? correct okay, okay. it seems like uh the pirates were going up and down that coast in order to intercept merchant ships okay um but also to kind of stay away from uh the islands because they were migrating with the seasons as well oh okay in the winter they would go back down to the islands in order to keep warm and then after that in the summer they would go back up and do more pirating oh okay hmm. very interesting yeah. i never even i don't really know much at all about this era um so yeah neither really do i frankly like this was truly huh. a discovery for me i didn't even know that so much piracy happened yeah like in north carolina yeah <laughs> it, that's that's the thing you just think of it oh it happened in the caribbean like oh mm -hmm. that the caribbean like you know obviously i'm t i'm tainted by disney sorry <laughs> no but that, i think i think you're bringing up such an interesting point because like those are our own biases and our own expectations mm -hmm. based on like what we've been told and the stories that we've heard so mm -hmm. i think it's totally normal that this would be what we would expect yeah and then we're like oh north carolina oh, really okay <laughs> what <laughs> interesting yeah exactly so just very briefly before we move on, I just wanted to say that like, yes, Steve Bonnet is a real person. Yes, um, part of the story is inspired by him. But I also think that there is quite a difference between the real person and the person that's uh, depicted in this show. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, keeping the, all of that in mind, let's move ahead. All right. So we open up uh, going on to the pirate ship, which we learned to be the Revenge great name for a ship oh also historically accurate by the Is way it? <laughs> yes well good because i mean honestly great name for a ship good job buddy like yes i thought you know given his character his caricature that is being mm -hmm. played here then possibly he's he would have named it something goofy but mm -hmm. but the great name for a ship like well, see, I didn't know if it was like a narrative decision, like a writing decision, mm -hmm. creative decision, or if it was historically accurate. And I was like, oh my goodness, they called the ship Revenge. And the first thing he does on that ship is get his revenge on his childhood bully. Oh, 
Hmm. I mean, maybe there's a reason they chose to tell that story. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And then I was like, oh, okay. So this is historically accurate. So this is just really interesting when like the universe puts stuff together like this. Yeah. So uh, we come upon a man playing an instrument, which do you know what the instrument was? It's some sort of guitar-ish. Yeah, it seems like a string instrument, like yeah. a homemade string instrument. Yeah. I don't quite know what the name would be, but right. Maybe I'll it have to sounded look that good. Up. Yeah, it did. Um, his name, we later find out, is Frenchie. And he's singing mm-hmm. a song about a pirate's life. And he was actually, speaking of Game of Thrones earlier, he was on Game of Thrones. Oh. Yeah, he must have been in the seasons that I didn't watch, actually. Because I... Yeah. I had to let go of Game of Thrones at one point. It was yeah. just becoming too much for me. Yeah. He he had a small part. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. huge, but he was very memorable. Um, but his name is Frenchie, and he's singing a song about a pirate's life. And the crew mm-hmm. is sitting around playing cards. And you kind of get to know the crew a little bit just um, through their playing. And uh, so the captain comes on. This is Steed. And he's dressed mm-hmm. to the nines. And he wants to give a rousing speech about the raiding that they're going to do. And um, he talks about, you know, some of us may die and some of us may not come back. And some of us that might come back uh, might be mangled. But some of us who might who come back may look fine, but will be mentally devastated. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. My poor Steed. He's already like, you know, foreshadowing to his own like situation at the end of this episode. Yeah. And then he says, what will we do? He's very much like a kindergarten teacher. That, I yeah. think that is my whole through line throughout this entire episode at the end of the episode when he's flying all the, and we'll get there, when he's flying all the flags because they're all so good. Um, they're all so good. <laughs> he's he's so much like a proud kindergarten teacher or a proud parent. Um, and so he says, if someone returns from the raid mentally devastated, we talk it through as a crew. And so he has mm. them all. And it's just so sweet. Um, yeah. And they end up raiding a fishing canoe. And (laughs) the tiniest little fishing canoe. And it's so cute. And, you know, of course he throws the ladder overboard and he's bumbling and falling. And then he finally gets on there and says, my name's Steed and I'll be your robber today. And that's, uh, I just, I just love him. Can I take him home? Like, he's just so cute. You can have the puppy. It's fine. Yes. I'll take, I'll take such good care. Um, but then he's trying to get back up and they're like hauling him back up and then you watch Mm -hmm. my buttons like Mm -hmm. I just love him it just seems you know again like this is really about expectations being subverted in that Mm -hmm. moment right because you don't quite know what's happening when you're first watching it but you're like this is absolutely ridiculous like (laughs) what is happening and then you know like he does end up pillaging something from that from that little you know rowboat is that what it was yeah yeah there you go yeah and he uh he comes back with this sad little dented cup with a plant in it and he sets it in his ornate chamber cabin right it's this huge library and he's dictating his wisdom to a man who we come to know as lucius um and we find out he pays his crew a salary um yeah you know he makes sure that they are properly motivated and instead Mm -hmm. of you know having to be ruthless he pays them a wage which is yeah unheard of and factual 
Did you? Uh, I don't know, actually. I didn't find that out, to be okay, honest. Okay, we need to look that up because I'm yeah. pretty sure it was factual. I'm pretty sure that yeah. he was he was known as the gentleman pirate and he paid his crew a wage. And he paid his crew. So. I feel like that would make sense. So, you know, we and again, like this comes from my own my own biases and my own expectations of what I know of pirates or what mm-hmm. I thought I knew of pirates. But... The title of captain would usually be earned, and here Steed hasn't quite earned it. He's bought it, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I don't think I think it's really great that he's paying his crew to yes. make sure that they stay loyal to him. I just think it's very unusual. Yes, of and and we see it in the reactions of the of the actual pirates that this is you know they don't quite know what to do with that. They're like, yeah, we're being paid, but like. We're kind of bored. We don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And some people are really happy about this. They're like, you know, we can enjoy our life while it's going because we know that we usually would have a short life. Yeah. And others are like, oh, no, I want to go out and do this and do that. And yeah. there, so there's like this um, un- unease and unrest aboard the revenge. Yeah. I I really hope we find out how he assembled his crew um, because – you know, they come fully formed mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah. And I hope that in later episodes we find out, like, maybe we get a flashback of him hiring people. Like, how did he vet them? How did he choose these mm. people? Like, um, Mr. Buttons seems relatively loyal to him, <laughs> you know. So yeah. um, Lucius seems halfway loyal to him, but then he's like, <laughs> no, I'm with it. I'm I'm totally down for the mutiny. So. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm just interested in how, yeah, I do too. I'm interested in how, how, how these relationships were formed. And I don't know if we're going to get to see that. Um, and that's yeah, okay. And it seems like some, some relationships may have been pre-existing, yeah, right? From yeah. before, before the crew was assembled. So mm-hmm. I agree. I, I would love to know a little bit more about that and yeah. who would agree to go on this, you know, quest with this man yeah. who has discomforts from his state of marriage, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> So um, he is dictating to Lucius, and it's kind of like the captain's log or the memoirs mm-hmm. or whatever. And so he talks about amenities, and there's a really cute bit um, where there's a rec center, um, yeah. a ballroom, <laughs> which is not a ballroom. It is a room of cannonballs. That was, <laughs> yes. Is it Mr. Buttons, or is what, was it the Swede that was polishing them? I the thought two. it was Mr. Buttons, yeah. but I could be wrong. Again, I've be. only watched this episode yes. twice, but I thought that it was hilarious. That made me laugh, like a real laugh. You know, yeah. and it's, I don't usually laugh when I'm watching mm-hmm. TV, but this made me laugh when yes. I saw the ballroom. Yes. I loved that. I thought that was excellent. There was a jam room. And then, of course, very important to us was the library. He has a full yeah. library in his ship. Um, and mm-hmm. he said that the... Only person to check out any books was Lucius. And he said, well, I'm the only one who can read. And he goes, mm-hmm. that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, and I find that, right. I found that so interesting mm-hmm. that he was so disconnected from his crew mm-hmm. and like from, and it kind of shows, right? Because he would be from a completely different class yes. than they are. And so he's not connected to their reality. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't understand why they're doing this. And I think it shows also a little bit later that he's like, no, that can't be right. Like, he can't yeah. conceive of people not knowing to read because to him it's just so yeah. um, natural and it's just such a part of his life. Yes. And so I think that's playing with his own expectations also yes. of who those people 
truly are. And then almost like he has, he assumes them his equals almost, or maybe he doesn't. I'm not sure. He treats them like he's, he's definitely their leader. He's definitely above mm-hmm. them. Like he's a teacher or a proud parent. It's mm-hmm. definitely done with love. So I don't yes. want to say he thinks they're his equals. Um, I, the way that I'm sort of reading this and I don't know, I don't know if you're maybe seeing it differently, but I sort of saw it as like people with privilege not realizing that other folks don't necessarily have their privilege. Like I saw him, I saw this moment as him being blind to his own privilege. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, That's how I read it. And I don't think that it came from a patronizing place. No. I think that it truly came from a place of like not having been exposed or interested in people from a different class than him before. Or or being uh, or being allowed to be interested, yeah, because obviously the piracy held such an appeal to him, but or like it not being socially acceptable to be sure. interested in, right? Sure. Um. So then he assembles the crew after the raid, uh, quote yeah. unquote raid, and the crew is visibly annoyed by the notes that he's giving them. He wants more enthusiasm, more you know, <laughs> and he, <laughs> which you know, this raid is ridiculous. So of yes. course. We John, who is not we at all, and he's also from Game of Thrones. He was Hodor. Um, oh! Did, do you not know that? He's Hodor from Game of Thrones. He's great. You know, I feel like I wasn't able to really, like, see anyone. I haven't mm-hmm. Googled much about it because okay. I'm kind of afraid of, of finding out. But this is just enchanting to find. It's yes. true. He is Hodor. Yeah. Oh. He's great. I Aww. like him. Um, so he's on. the one who says they don't even have a flag. And it turns it into a giant arts and crafts project. And um, oh my God. Black Pete says, I'm not fucking sewing. That's women's work. <laughs> and it's just so funny. Now, historically, though, pirates absolutely sewed. I mean, someone had to mend the sails. Someone mm-hmm. had to, you know, uh, they made their own clothing mostly. So yep. it's interesting to think how you're... They're kind of telling on themselves very early that um, this is a modern show. They're not trying yes. to be historically accurate. Um, they're agree. using the traditional, quote, gender roles in spaces mm-hmm. where, um, you know, typically only men are allowed. And they're mm-hmm. using that. That's more like um, early, 19, early and mid-1900s than it would be the 1700s on a pirate ship. I agree. Uh, so, and yeah. I think historically, pirates are not the only ones who would sew or knit. Like this yeah. is an activity or a ho- I don't want to say a hobby, but like a craft that yeah. men practiced a lot more than we're led to believe now. Yeah. Um, the, like how did they the, get their flags? You know, how did they? Do- yeah. There was design elements to flags. Mm-hmm. They had to. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it was. They didn't. They didn't have anybody to fix their clothes. Yes. It was them. They had. Well, they the were sales. in charge of that. It was very important to fix the sails. Yes, absolutely. Um, so they said that, uh, I looked it up just a little bit, and it said, you know, they ended up putting ornate embellishments because they learned how to sew through mending their sails and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it reminds me a little bit how, like, um, typical women's um, roles in the theater were played by men because women weren't allowed on stage. It's considered bad luck to have a woman on a boat, so someone's mm-hmm. going to have to take on those duties that were typically done by women yeah in different exactly in different scenarios and i also think you know like the way that you're you're talking about this if i can put it in i guess different words mm-hmm. would just be to say like that they're using they're basically using modern standards of masculinity yes to talk about characters back in you know 
in the 18th century. Yeah, I think so. Um, Even their vernacular. There's some modern yes. vernacular I picked up on that I was like, there's no way they said that that back then. Uh, yes. So that and the reality is that Steed Bonnet probably didn't have like a Kiwi accent. Like, like <laughs> There is that too. <laughs> <laughs> I love his accent. I'm just I love it too. I I think it works. Mm -hmm. It's but you know, I think that you're right. Sewing here is kind of used as a way for Steed to help uh, his crew kind of deconstruct their Mm -hmm. masculinity. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, to get them to bond. And funny enough, uh, there is a lot of research out there. And I've been part of some research groups on that, Mm -hmm. that talks about how um, support groups for men uh, tend to do really well when they have members engage in an activity together. Oh, interesting. And it doesn't really matter what they do. They can cook, they can sew, they can uh, play sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever it is that they do, it gets them talking about anything so that through that activity, they can actually talk about what ails them, quote unquote. So it's it's truly a real team building Uh, activity that steed is making them do supported by research (laughs) it's funny you say that because they did start talking and they decided to start a mutiny so (laughs) exactly that's exactly what's happening right they're talking about the sewing yeah (laughs) not quite the direction that he was hoping for i'm assuming but he's getting them to talk and getting them to like talk about the things that truly matter to them and in Mm -hmm. this case it's like the the ownership and the leadership of their crew Yes. Some of them looked like they were really enjoying themselves. Wee John used to make dresses for his mother. Yeah. Um, uh, Frenchie really seemed to like his cat uh, flag saying cat, cats have knives in their feet. Um, but yeah, Black Pete wants to start a mutiny. He brings up Blackbeard, says he was mm-hmm. on his crew previously and that, you know, Blackbeard would have ne- never done any of this. Mm. Um and so then, of course, Mr. Buttons goes to report to Steed. And he seems really loyal to him. Um, so, you know, there's always that one man who's, like, looking out. And there's a few more who's kind of looking mm-hmm. out for Steed. Um, I sort of also saw Mr. Buttons as, like, the coalition builder. Yes. Being like, you know, I think we can get through this all together if you knew what they were thinking. Like, mm-hmm. he kind of sees that Steed doesn't quite get the men on his crew. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like, let's let's try to see what happens if I tell him what's happening. Maybe he's going to rise to the occasion. Yeah. I find it interesting, like, I guess I'm more of an Olawande who would be like, why would I get this, you know, ruin this comfy situation? Like, do they yeah. worry that his, I guess it's their pride, especially Black Pete, it's his pride on the line. You know, mm-hmm. he wants to say that he's from this badass pirate ship and not this one that's going to get made fun of um Mm -hmm. so i guess that's because i'm like why not just sit back and collect your paycheck (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i guess there's a little bit point of pride there well there must also be like a a a worry about what happens when steed gets annoyed or bored Mm -hmm. with the crew right and stops paying them and lets them loose uh, because they have no guarantees that he's going to want to do this for more than a couple months at this point. So I'm sort of imagining myself in that situation where it's like, you know, when you're, when you're like in between jobs or like at a job that you don't really like, but like, you're like, okay, but I have to stay here and I'm going to have to explain this position eventually. I sort of feel like that's where Black Pete sort of is in that Mm -hmm. moment. 
reputation might be pretty big in the pirate community is, oh, I'm well, sure. who did you sail with? And obviously he's touting mm-hmm. that he sailed with Blackbeard. So, yes. Yeah. It's what's that? Where's that gap in your resume? Who'd you sail with during yeah. those? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there you go. I was on vacation. Yeah, nobody, I, was, yeah, I was on vacation. Um, yeah, I was marooned. I was marooned yes, for a little while. <laughs> um, okay, so Mr. Buttons goes to report it. Lucius obviously is told to stop writing um, because Steed does not want this recorded. And it, yeah. it makes Lucius mad because he, I think he rips a page out of his book. And so he goes to tell the crew that Buttons has told the captain that there was a mutiny, but he's like, but I'm still in. <laughs> so <laughs> Lucius is a, is a funny character to me. Oh, the tone, really the like tone him. was just perfect. I love him. <laughs> but I'm still in. I was like, Oh, okay. Oh, um, but Cause like course... you would expect him to be so close to him to be like, Oh no, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, I, I sort of expected him to be a goody two shoes, well, yeah. but he's not. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Fun. <laughs> because he came from somewhere who obviously he can read. He doesn't mm-hmm. seem to fit in with the pirate crew. He's like steed, junior um but yeah it's just interesting where he came from and i I really hope we find out where he comes from Mm -hmm. um but we might not it's okay i i love the dynamic enough that i don't need to have the answers but it would be fascinating to see it yeah there you go so then we focus on jim for the first time and um they are very intense uh they so they're mute um you know and now that we know at the end um, mm. what that Jim has a secret. Yeah. It's interesting. The first time I watched this, I did not land on the fact that they had a fake nose or had any sort yeah, of me neither. features. Like I just saw a sh- dark shadow, badass man. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> the second time I watched it, I was like, Oh my gosh, how did I not notice this? <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Again, with the expectations. Yes. I, I remember seeing Jim for the first time and being like, oh my goodness, why are they hiding? Like, mm-hmm. they're just being mysterious, you know, like just kind of not not writing them off as like someone without that we're not going to really know much about, but almost. And then well, at the end, it's like, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes well, so like, much sense. I view Jim kind of as like Chekhov's gun. Like, Jim's yes, there. I agree. Jim's going to do something. Mm-hmm. And and they do. They mm-hmm. do later on. Um but there's more to it. I thought truly at face value when I first watched it I took it at face value that Jim was going to just be this badass quiet person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the quiet but deadly kind of character. Yeah. Now you see that there's truly a story there. So yeah, it's very interesting. And that there's a reason why they have to be this yeah. way for their own safety. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Um, Oluwande speaks up uh, and says that he doesn't want to miss the stories at night. Um, we find oh, out yeah. that that Steed reads them Pinocchio. And he does the voices. It's really cute. I thought that that was so interesting thematically about like, I'm a real boy. Because it just, it fits in really nicely with the whole like, Steed cosplaying a pirate, you know? like And then through the events of the episode, becoming one. Mm -hmm. Like, he was the real boy now. like So I just think that, you know, this is such a really nice uh, narrative element there. Just so smart. Excellent job. Yes. And uh, Lucius says that he could do the reading, but they said, oh, he's not going to be able to do the voices. And they make him actually try to do the voice. And he's really not good at it. Um, Black Pete says that 
they're going to vote. And of course, he'll be the captain. And that kind of puts a damper on the whole mutiny idea because they do not want to be under his uh, leadership, I believe. Because they None of them really agree with him that much. So I don't think he has a partner. You know, sometimes yeah. those counterbalances have like a partner in crime. And I'm not mm-hmm. really seeing one yet. Maybe people will mm-hmm. go along with him to a point. But, you know. It it sort of feels like he's going to be that character that, like, has a really big mouth and yes. then, you know, nothing really happens. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Again, maybe they're going to subvert my expectations there, too, but we'll we'll see how yeah, that we'll goes. See. But, yeah, my first impression was also the same. Like, when the when the crew kind of realized that their alternative to Steed was Black Pete, they were like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'd rather the gap in my resume. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so Steed and Buttons had had a conversation about him as a captain and the impression that he's weak and so he finds a ship to raid and he goes and confronts the crew about the mutiny and says you know this time it's a big one it's a big ship yeah and we john seems a little obsessed with fire because he mentions it a lot and uh says as long as they get to burn the ship he's down Mm -hmm. and um let's see so frenchie starts singing another song while they prepare of course and we see that jim is very capable with a sword and Mm -hmm. Then Steed gets extremely worried about the raid. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Buttons puts fangs in. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, all that them... was that was a, a worrying moment, I find. Yeah. You know, it, there was something like very um, worrying to me about him putting on his fangs. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, wow. I hope we don't like, see that's... that in action. Yeah, it was kind of like, oh. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was my whole expectation. I was like, okay, now we're about to see. Now yeah. the bloodshed is going to start. <laughs> we're going to earn the HBO platform here. Yeah, <laughs> and and you can tell that Steed is kind of like in the same state. He's yes. like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are very much like Steed. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like we're going through the same. Co- or, I mean, I know that I was, but yeah, like, I don't. Me too. I'm sure no, that I a lot too. of people were very excited for the bloodshed, but yes. I was not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's it, it kind of goes with this whole idea that, like, he wanted to cosplay the piracy, but he yes. didn't actually want to live the actions of it. Or maybe yes. he just didn't expect all of that to be a part of it, mm-hmm. which well, seems and- really ill-informed to me. But. <laughs> yeah. but he always just play. And there were never any really co- any consequences. You know, he it he was a privileged person. So exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So. He's very worried. He's on the verge of a panic attack. He has a flashback mm-hmm. to his childhood. His dad is um, slaughtering a bird, I believe, yeah, or a goose, a or yeah. And mm-hmm. so he gets blood all over his face, which I was like, "Oh my, that's horrible!" Like, mm-hmm. put up a shield, man. Um, <laughs> but his dad's <laughs> very nasty to him and says he'll only yeah. ever be a weak, a weak, rich boy, which is just mm-hmm. awful. Um, well, which again sort of comes back to this whole idea of like. Um, I, I think the dad says, like, this is what a man's work looks like. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, again, this idea of, like, masculinity being imposed upon Steed um, mm-hmm. in a way that, like, I don't think he ever was looking for or ever really consented to. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it also comes back to this what the dad is saying to him kind of comes back to him not having earned the title of captain, but having just bought it. Um, And so I think that this speaks to some really deep insecurities for Steed. And Mm -hmm. it's no mistake that this is coming up right now. Yeah. Cause he's kind of like, I either 
live through this bloodshed of these people or the next bloodshed is going to be me. Yes. Yeah. And so the reality of the situation is even though he set course towards the ship and he mm-hmm. was the aggressor, he now he is running into his quarters and changing in, into his pajamas and hiding because mm-hmm. he does not want to oh. actually. I know. This is hard. <laughs> Just want to give him a cup of tea. <laughs> So sweet. I don't think there's anything more relatable than that, to be yeah. entirely honest with you. Like yeah. just retreating to your room yeah. and putting on your pajamas. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. And it kind of comes back. And, it, you know, he again has this moment of identity crisis within his midlife crisis of like, it's all I'll ever be. I'm not a pirate. I'm an idiot. Right? Like it's... Yes. This, this, we're so lucky to be privy to this internal monologue. Yes. Because it's not really something that characters usually kind of verbalize it's something Mm -hmm. that we're meant to read between the lines but here it's really said very clearly so that we truly understand how steed thinks about himself yeah um so jim and olawande uh come into his quarters there's a really cute bit about oh these are my raiding clothes not my pajamas um and he asks them about hand-to-hand combat and then again you see jim they're very capable with with a blade Mm -hmm. um kind of shows them how to um kill a person and steed says how about a stun move instead of killing them (laughs) it's so me (laughs) like again there's that cosplaying again where he doesn't want it to be permanent can i get like a fake tattoo you know (laughs) not a real one and i just need to say how much i love olawande like he i think he's my favorite character right now i just think he is adorable and like really wants the captain to succeed wants them all to succeed wants them to live this um relatively comfortable life doing things Mm -hmm. and um i just think he has a lot he has so much heart and i just really really enjoy him as a character yeah i mean he's he's looking out for like his comfort and it seems also maybe Jim's comfort yes and the comfort of the crew and he's he seems like one of the most grounded uh crew members yes he really does where he's yeah where he's realizing like this is actually a really good gig for now you know we're getting to enjoy which is something that we don't usually do Right. He also wants Steed to succeed. He yeah. he just seems like he wants to help. He doesn't, mm-hmm. he's not looking for him to fail so that they can do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a little bit bored, but he recognizes that it's better than, you know, being under the exactly. rule of someone else. And like, um, if you look at the history of people of color and piracy, mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit more integrated than than it was in society obviously Um, you're operating outside of societal norms. And Mm -hmm. so they were a little bit more equal. It said that it was estimated that up to one third of the 10,000 pirates during the golden age of piracy were former slaves. Yeah. And while, while many were still mistreated and forced to do the lowest tasks aboard the ship, some captains established revolutionary equality among their men, regardless of race. So we're mm-hmm. saying some, not all. Yeah, and, of course. And so um, on these particular ships, black pirates could vote, bear arms, and receive an equal share of the booty. I think as a person of color on a pirate ship, he's probably just happy to be uh, equal. And I, I hope Steed's paying them equally. Uh, yeah. We don't talk about the specifics, but uh, he seems to treat them equally. And mm-hmm. which is nice. So 
Um, well, with this in mind, it sort of puts a whole different lens to me anyway on uh, Black Pete wanting to go off with a different, um, you know, different kind of leadership or going yes. to see another captain. And Aluande just kind of making sure that this endeavor succeeds because yes. for him it's more there's much more at stake than there is for the white crew members yes well and also we are assuming everyone has watched the show um and knows that black pete is not a person of color but if we need to point that out his name is black pete but he is not a person of color that um. is a really good point to make at this point in the podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> Because if we're talking about this, we need to make sure that that's that's clear. But I'm assuming everyone, yeah, for sure, for I'm assuming sure. everyone well, knows that. Let's 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 hope that people have watched and yes. that we're not just ruining <laughs> the show entirely for them. That would be that would be really wild to pick up an Our Flag Means Death podcast and not not watch the show. But you know, <laughs> I know that it's not available in all countries though, so we'll see. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they just really like hearing our voices. Maybe they do. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Anyway, um, uh, let's see. So the ship they were chasing is an English warship and it starts firing on them and Steed starts freaking out. Everyone starts ducking and hiding and we change the point of view to the English ship and the captain is named Nigel Badminton and he gets a telescope out and recognizes that it's Steed. Mm hmm. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. This is when this is when I I remember thinking like, oh, this could really, really go either way at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh so they send over a tender and they ask for Steed Bonnet. Uh, this might be the la- first time we hear his last name, but maybe, maybe not. Um he recognizes the captain's name but tries to kind of beg him off, but they insist and the crew is like, No, no, you know, don't <laughs> let them come on here. <laughs> The crew is like, no matter what you want to yeah. do, this is a really bad idea. <laughs> really bad idea. No matter what you want to try to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, they went to boarding school together. So Steed dresses up the crew in his clothing and gives them all different backgrounds. And yeah. they all wear powdered wigs. Well, um, this is where I thought that it was so interesting that there was this complete shift. Where, like, mm-hmm. at the beginning, it was Steed, like, cosplaying a pirate captain. And here, it's the crew cosplaying... Uh, English upper class. Yes. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're trying to make it seem like they're a merchant vessel. Yeah. Or or a leisure vessel. I'm not sure. I'm not um, sure either because there's no, you know, it sort of makes you wonder, like, for what reason would Steed be out on the yeah. revenge? Right. Um. Either way, they're trying to make it pass as some sort. And, and I find that my use of make it pass is really telling because mm-hmm, yeah. it sort of makes me think with with the queer themes that I know are going to come up in this show it sort of makes me think uh that scene you know when they're getting dressed up and the the following scene where they're at the table of all the ways in which queer people will dress or act in order mm-hmm. to not seem queer in situations where they're unsafe yes uh, and it particularly made me think of family dinners when you're not necessarily in safe spaces mm-hmm. and you have to act a certain way or hide certain things. And um, it then contrasts with the Black and Indigenous crew members who can't hide no. their color. 
Yes. Um, so it sort of goes to show like the limits of of passing, quote unquote. Yes. And how, you know, there are certain identities that we can hide, but others that we can't. And the intersection of both those identities is really where folks are the most vulnerable. Yes. And it really broke my heart to have to see them shoved into those serving roles. Um, And same. I'm, you know, I'm glad we didn't see the conversation. So we didn't see the hurt in their faces or whether they resigned Mm. to it or not. But Mm -hmm. it just kind of broke my heart because, you know, the last thing you want is to have to put someone in a situation where they're told they're less than. Mm -hmm. And I know historically they would have been used to it. um, But getting used to something is never any less hurtful. So, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of jarring to to see them have having to be put into those roles and it was like mm-hmm. oh man like they were having so much fun leave them alone you know this yeah. is my crew now <laughs> let them go back to sewing yeah. flags yeah. <laughs> um, no I agree I agree and I think that this is this is kind of to show like the violence that yes. um English society kind of brought upon well black and indigenous folks mm-hmm. I think I truly think that that's in part what we're seeing in this moment and I think that that's supported by the text when um, the naval officers are calling the crew colorful oh, yeah. or, you know, the savages. Like it's, it's yes. there's, you know, which is a terrible way of talking about. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, no, even back awful. then. Like yeah. I just, I don't even, whatever. Yeah. Um, um, but I found colorful a really interesting one because it has that double meaning of yes, the colorfulness of one's skin, but also like colorful is a way that, queer men have been ridiculed historically mm-hmm. and so it kind of makes you wonder which one this particular you know nigel mm-hmm. badminton was going for when he said it that is interesting um so he talks about their time in boarding school with fondness and steed yeah. remembers it with not fondness he talks about yeah. oh school schoolboy pranks he called it the rowboat where he literally they tied his <laughs> hands to a ro- to the oars of a rowboat and they threw rocks mm-hmm. at him and like even the way they captured him to tie him to the rowboat it's very violent it's you know they were so all violent, larger yeah. than him they mm-hmm. all you know and so we most of us have been there and don't want yeah. to relive that so it was a very jarring just like the blood spraying him yeah. with his dad was it was very jarring and again it also talks like that you know, flashback seems to also be about the way that masculinity, the way that Steed doesn't seem to fit in the mold, uh, in the very rigid mold of masculinity and masculine expectations. Uh, They said, oh, remember that time with a horse? Oh, we made him French kiss a horse. So like, they don't, they don't cut to that, thankfully. But um, uh, so he, uh, Nigel won't take the hint that he wants him to leave. Obviously he's being purposefully obtuse and says he wants of a tour course. of the ship because he's just humiliating him. He is talking mm-hmm. about how quaint everything is and how, you know, the tea would taste like, I forget. I think they said dishwater or something. Dishwater. Yeah. yeah. That's what they said. Um, but you know, they're, they're just wanting to make him feel shame. Um, mm-hmm. and so, 
And I think that the most, for me anyway, like even past like all of the very obvious terrible things that they say, like the like the most insidious way in which uh, Nigel does that to me anyway is the backhanded compliments. Yes, when he talks about the ship being so quaint and small and little, mm-hmm. and there's just like a particular kind of aggression there. That's. Uh, that really gets to me. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Backhanded compliments are a thing that I just don't deal well with. And when mm-hmm. I saw him doing that with his like face <laughs> and everything, I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> so he gives them a, he gives him a small tour. He takes him to the library. And so mm-hmm. he calls him baby bonnet. Um, mm. And he makes fun of him for having the library and asks, you know, what this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. If, if there's a storm, what do you do? And you talked about <laughs> laughing, full on laughing earlier. This was my full on laughing moment when it just super, super quick cut to him screaming at the top of his lungs, trying to hold all these books into the shelf while there's a storm rocking the boat. And I just, that was the, and he, and then it cuts back to him. He says, Oh, we, we manage. <laughs> just, I <laughs> laughed so hard. It was so charming. Um, I, and there's something so relatable about like, Oh, we manage, you yeah. know, when something is really hard <laughs> and then somebody asks you about it and you're just like, I am not going to go into how ridiculously I have to do all of these tasks. Like this is like, we manage, you know, yes. like it's yes. fine. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was just, <laughs> yeah. I saw myself in Steed in that moment. Yes. I was like, oh. <laughs> So we are cutting back and forth from the library to the dining room yeah. where the rest of the uh, naval officers are with the crew. And mm-hmm. um, Nigel is making fun of um, Steed for the rumor was that he left his wife and children to become a pirate. And he says, I mean, it's true. So um, Nigel starts laughing because it's just so ridiculous that he could be a pirate. And so this is cutting back and forth to the dining room where uh, they find the flags, which I don't know mm-hmm. why they put the flags in there, but it's really so <laughs> I think cute. they just These... wanted to get caught at this point. Yeah. <laughs> the flags are so cute. One of them is yeah. a, a skull vomiting buttons. Uh, one of them is a, 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 a skeleton holding its own skull. And of mm-hmm. course you have the cat flag. Like, oh, there's The cat so flag cute. is probably my favorite. I have to say, everyone knows they're witches. Yes. <laughs> They're very evil because they steal children's breath. <laughs> He's so mad. They have knives on their feet. Yes. <laughs> uh, the tension is really building. Um, yes. You're just waiting for them to snap because they're just getting humiliated further and further. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, when he when Frenchie says that about the children's breath, he says, enough interruption, slave. And it just oof, oh, yeah, that oof, one, got me. That one hurts. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because so, it's said out loud. Yeah. So Jim yeah. Uh, throws a knife and it goes through the teacup. At first, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, man. And then he looks down and it's stabbed through his hand and he starts screaming. And that's mm-hmm. when it's on. Um, yeah. Lucius faints. Olawande pours hot tea in one of their laps. Mm-hmm. Um and there's just, there's a gunshot and mm-hmm. um, cutting back to the library, Nigel hears the gunshot and wants to investigate. But of course, Steed does not. Um, mm-hmm. And Nigel says, still a coward, pathetic. And it flashes <sighs> back to all of the times he was called pathetic by his father. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
So yeah, just can all the tension, more tension, more tension. And of course the tension is broke in the dining room, but there's still so much tension in the library. And finally yeah. he picks up a, I think it's golden. I think it's a whale. It he is picks a whale. Up a, <laughs> <laughs> it's too funny. He picks up. Like, a, of course. <laughs> yeah. He picks up a heavy paperweight and as Nigel's about to leave the library, Steed comes up behind him and whacks him in the back of the head and he falls mm. and you hear a squishing noise and you're like, oh, that's a weird noise. And, and Steed gasps and, yes. uh, <laughs> he and I was like, Oh, what happened? Uh-huh. <laughs> you're like, what, what on earth could have happened? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there's still chaos in the dining room. Uh, Steed calls out though. He's like, hello. And they kind of all pause in their shenanigans and he's down the hall going, I need a hand. Um, mm. So Olawande's there. Um, I believe Lucius is there too. Yeah. And Nigel has fallen with his sword completely through his right eye and to the, out of the back of his skull. He literally <clears throat> fell on his sword. Literally fell on his sword. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I think is just so fitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fell on his sword on the revenge. <laughs> yes. There you go. And he said, I did this on purpose. <laughs> Well, at first there wasn't yes. so much of the purpose, right? Yes, he was yes. just completely panicked from what I remember. Yes. And it's it's Aluande who is kind of like, do you want to live? Mm-hmm. And this moment to me was just so meaningful because, again, Steed is like, I don't know what to say to this. Yes. <laughs> like This is a yeah. tough question. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, like, that reaction goes to show just how unhappy and unfulfilled he is that he chose piracy over like his comfortable life yes and even then like as he is captaining his pirate ship he's Mm -hmm. still not quite finding the meaningfulness of life in this moment like he wants more he doesn't know what and then he's just sort of trying to figure it out right he didn't intend for this to happen but he definitely sees well olawande and lucia see that it's a golden opportunity for him to prove oh, yeah. himself to the crew. So he, mm-hmm. they encourage him to say, I did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, they like kind of throw his body onto the deck to show what they've done. Um, they only send one of the crew, the British crew back with his hands tied <laughs> with rope to the oars. So of course yeah. that's a callback to the prank. Um, mm-hmm. And I would have loved to see that conversation where he chose to do that or, you know, same, because that kind yeah. of shows a certain level of, like, active revenge. Yes, yeah. yeah. That we haven't quite seen in Steed yet. Yeah. Yeah, some and of these cuts are are interesting. You know, what happens yeah. in the in-between would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's 30 minutes long. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, you don't really know. Um, mm-hmm. So he, the crew is starting to respect the captain. Of course, Lucius and Alawande know the truth. Um. But they said they're going to give him another day. So yeah. that was good. <laughs> and so uh, Lucius and Alawande discuss that, you know, Steed's really a terrible captain, but they get paid and fed and they don't have to work too hard. So let's just keep this gravy train running. Yeah, exactly. Like in that moment, it sort of feels like they're like, um, well, he's our little meow meow now. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're keeping him for now. Yeah. <laughs> 
So they're sailing off into the sunset. Steed is looking in the sunset, crying, thinking of his family. Um, Really interested to see what comes of that. And he says Mm -hmm. out loud, my family's here now at sea. And um, he's very much playing that fatherly role. He reads Mm -hmm. them Pinocchio as they're falling asleep. And it's a very Lost Boys-esque where some of them are in hammocks. And, you know, he's their Peter Pan. Well, so speak, so I want to come back to the Peter Pan thing, because I think that there's something there to look at. But I want to talk about the flashbacks a little bit, particularly okay. with his family, because I noticed that um, in his family flashbacks basically change depending on like, how he's feeling at the yes. moment. So the first time that we see him having that flashback, we see him as very far away from his family. Like he's sitting at the other end of the table Mm -hmm. and like, they're looking at him like he has three heads. Like he feels very isolated from them. Yes. And, and this is in a moment where he's like not missing them. He's like, I was not loved over there. You know, like that's kind of what we're getting. But then the second flashback, he's next to them and he's engaging with them and they're engaging with him. Mm -hmm. And that's when he says, you know, family's here now. And it sort of feels like he's, he's in a way kind of longing for that. He's kind of missing them. Well, he's trying to convince himself that his family's here now. He doesn't believe it. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. But I just think it, it, for me, it's sort of, makes me rethink his previous flashbacks Mm -hmm. um, because it sort of shows that we're seeing the flashbacks from his perspective Mm -hmm. in the moment that he feels an emotion. And um, from experience, there are moments in my life that I will remember very differently depending on what mood I'm in. So we're learning that he's an unreliable narrator as well. So those flashbacks are definitely not... um, necessarily factual they could be factual that he's just remembering different moments at different times but it's also possible that they are not factual i think that the flashbacks are factual in the sense that like the if you were to just name the things that happened they might have happened like Mm -hmm. he might have gone to butcher a bird with his dad sure but the what actually happens might be a little different than what he remembers that's just because like what we're seeing is his emotions while he was living that. Or that's how I'm seeing it. That's interesting because I didn't even think that the flashbacks with his dad could be inaccurate. I just thought the flashbacks with his family. But you're right. Like, Mm -hmm. he could be, especially when you're a child, (laughs) I have a really stupid story to tell you. So I had (laughs) a Barbie lunchbox, okay? So it was one of those hard plastic lunchboxes, Mm -hmm. and it had a matching thermos, and, like, it was so pretty, and I loved it. It was pink. And so I had this Barbie lunchbox, and we, we had a garage that, like, it was an automatic button garage where you could push the button to close it. And I wanted to push the button to close it or what, or open it or whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived on this farm. We raised goats and like the, the garage where it was parked was a kind of a hike away. So we walked to the, to the garage and we, some, one of us got to open the garage door and it was my turn. So I set my stuff down behind the car. And when I got back, I didn't grab my lunchbox and my mom was backing the car out of the garage and she backed <gasps> over my Barbie lunchbox. No. I remember this to this day because I was so sad. Of I course. cried. And of course, I tell my mom later, I'm like, yeah, I remember the time you ran over my lunchbox. And she's like, no. <laughs> like, what are you talking <gasps> about? I have no memory of that whatsoever. And it just reminds you of um, 
things that happen in childhood that are just so specific and memorable yeah. to you but it wasn't a big deal to the adults like mm-hmm. well, we'll get you a new lunchbox it's okay don't cry and they just yeah. it, it doesn't embed in their memory like it does to you as a child and so yeah. it's very possible that his father was halfway reasonable or at least reasonable for the time and he mm-hmm. wasn't s- splashing blood into his face and he wasn't <laughs> yelling at him, telling him that he would never be anything but a spoiled rich boy. It's very Mm. possible that that's a projection of what society expects from him. So Mm -hmm. it's really interesting. I didn't even think that that could be. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's the, that's the case, right? Maybe we'll Mm -hmm. find out very soon that his dad was actually like a John Winchester type of person, right? Like I'm not, (laughs) I'm really not saying that that's impossible, but it does make me rethink. Yeah. And maybe right, it doesn't like matter. His, his room. Right. And maybe it doesn't matter. And maybe yeah. that's okay. And yeah. maybe that's the whole point of this show, that maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or it matters to Steed. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, obvi- his takeaway is more important than the facts. Yeah. Than the facts. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that that's really the core of what we're talking about here, that what mm-hmm. Steed remembers from this experience is much more important than the experience itself. Yes. So the very last... Um, Revelation is that Jim is not all that they appear. Um, They take off their beard and their fake nose and appears to be a woman. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and, and it's revealed that Olawande knows that secret. Uh, So, and not mute. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just, you know, I find that so compelling because I've, Ever since I was very little, I was always really compelled by stories where people who were assigned female at birth ended up living their lives as men. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was, even as a kid, like fascinated by those stories mm-hmm. because I was like, how did they pull it off? Yeah. And I just, I think that part of the answer here is through the help of allies. And in this case, yes. it's Aluande. Yes. Um, and then the very last bit, which I mentioned before, is that he's flying all of the flags. The revenge mm. has all of the flags that were created. Um, is just, I'm just so in love. Um, yeah. just such a proud parent moment where he's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I love them all so much. We're going to put them all up. Every yeah. drawing goes on the refrigerator. I don't care how much yeah. space it covers. <laughs> So cute. Oh my goodness. So I cute. I love that. Yes. And do you think that there's like maybe a deeper, like a, 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 like a metaphor to this where like, because I've been thinking about, you know, the importance of flags mm-hmm. in, in Our Flag Means Death, particularly this first episode. And also knowing that the title cards and like, are each a different flag that's been handmade by the, by the cat, by the crew, by the TV crew. Um, sort of well, gets... the title cards aren't flags all the time. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so those but change. But maybe the times that they are, they're handmade and mm-hmm, like very mm-hmm. homey looking. Is that possible? I don't yeah, know. That's the... something that I read. So if, it might not be accurate, actually. Well, I've only seen four episodes, but I know okay. that they're not always flags. But they are okay. all they're all crafted um, okay. out of like pieces or yeah. in a car like pra- it's or a practical something. effect it right? is it is a practical okay. effect so it and i would let you know i think they're all very gorgeous how they yeah. how they how they're presented so yeah it's probably mm-hmm. a very much a labor of love to make those title Certainly. pieces yeah and it's sort of 
makes me think about how each identity is mm-hmm. so particularly within within the the queer community is so unique yes and to fly all of the flags all at once <laughs> is just so lovely and inclusive and yes. something that really only captain steed bonnet would do yes yeah and i love I that agree. <laughs> I agree. I think it's just delightful. This first episode was just so delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just completely in love. I cannot wait to watch the rest of it. Um, I agree. Yeah, so very excited. All right. Do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? No, I think I think we covered it quite extensively, mm-hmm. and it was a lovely conversation. And thank you so much yeah. for having it with me. Do you have? Um, any predictions for the next episode? I, that is a good question. So because this, so keep in mind listeners that I have not seen uh, anything past episode one. Mm -hmm. So when I watch episode two, after this recording, it'll be the first time seeing as we spent so much time on steed this episode, I would maybe think that we're going to be introduced to Blackbeard in the next one. Uh, I think also that we're going to see maybe some repercussions of uh, <laughs> Steed's actions mm-hmm. uh, and maybe a shift in the way that the crew perceives him. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe the show will be well, like, you know. oh, fuck continuity. We'll yeah. just like, <laughs> we'll just do our own thing. Yeah. But- I love that your expectation already is to not expect anything. It's like, (laughs) I will make a prediction, but I could be wrong because they've done it to me before. So there you go. Yeah. And now is the time in our podcast where we take the time to read a message in a bottle which was sent to us through a Google form that you can find at the link in all of our social media bios. And it basically asks, what does this show, Our Flag Means Death, mean to you? Today's message reads, Steed is simultaneously discovering who he is, a leader, a gay man, an adventurer, and comfortable in his own skin. His keen sense of style, his optimism, his generosity. To me, it's a beautiful mix of self-assuredness and insecurity. A picture of how people can continue to authentically grow as a person through their adulthood. It's inspirational and aspirational. He is my favorite and I will fight anyone who says anything bad about him. And they gave a little (laughs) winky face. (laughs) And it's an indicator saying it's a joke, which I particularly... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I I appreciate. Yes. Uh, Um... I love Steed, too. I think it's pretty clear that I've been gushing about how wonderful Steve, Steed is. Yeah. Which, by the way, I, I have to completely tell on myself that I did not know his name was pronounced Steed. What did you think it was? I thought it was Stead because Stead. I was just reading it online. I, wasn't, I never heard it spoken. Um, I see. And so I'd only saw it online and I thought there, I thought the names, well, you don't know the names yet, but I thought his name was Stead and I was like, oh. Stead. Okay. That's a name. And then I saw a clip and I, and I saw it say Steed and I was like, Oh, oh I was wrong the whole time. I think I tweeted about it. I was like, oh, okay. Gotta change that. 
they were like, no, it's like Steve, but with a D. I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> I think I saw those tweets, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting because I my my mother tongue is French. So mm-hmm. sometimes I will put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable in English. Mm-hmm. And I feel like stead is is the kind of thing that I would usually do. So yeah. I, this is very relatable. Thank you. <laughs> to me, yeah, to me, E-D-E would be an ed sound, not an E sound. But that's okay. Yeah. Names are that. names are different. Um, So yeah, I love his sense of style. I love his optimism. That's my favorite. Just bright eyed Mm -hmm. optimism and um, a beautiful mix of self-assuredness and insecurity. Because like a moron, just walking through with total (laughs) (laughs) self-assuredness. But then when it comes down to it, he's like, oh, wait, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, I think that this is one of the things that was hard for me when it comes to Steed. Mm -hmm. The fact that he is so bright eyed and and optimistic, like where he doesn't really realize what he's really signed up for. Yes. And that like his actions will have repercussions on his crew. Yeah. Um, I think that's the part that to me I found almost like a little bit frustrating where I just wanted to like shake him and be like, yeah. oh my God, like do something. Wait a minute. Our um, writer's going to fight you if you say anything bad I know, about it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I feel really bad, but no, I know, mean, I, know. I, think... I know what you mean because it's, it is real life and this, I mean, it's not, it's an HBO show, yes, but there you go. It ultimately there are consequences and he could have very mm-hmm. well gotten a member of the crew killed um, yeah. through his incompetence. So, yeah, maybe exactly. that they're building that tension. And I hope that that doesn't happen because it will mm-hmm. really, really impact him, I believe, as a person. I mm-hmm. want him to oh, maintain absolutely. that innocence. Like, please maintain that innocence. You're so sweet. Yeah. And I think that the reality is that in, in, in this particular uh, setting, one of the first people who would have been attacked would have been one of the black or indigenous crew members. Mm, yeah, definitely. And, and I think, and, and again, you know, like it sort of like comes back to him being completely unaware of his privilege. Right. And um, I think, I, I hope for Steed that he learns um, how to wield his privilege with a little bit more, discernment i guess Mm -hmm. in order to protect his crew yeah i i just realized that this is hbo and this is post game of thrones era television and like what if they kill one of them i just realized like please don't please don't i've heard good things like you'd think (laughs) that and and if they kill olawande we ride at dawn like oh yeah absolutely No, no one no. touches Alawande. Yes, that, there is, is no. He is my ma- no. He is my baby. On the other hand, though, one thing that I absolutely loved about Steed was exactly that: how he just decided to take matters into his own hands with his destiny and his own happiness. Yes. He was like, I am not happy in these circumstances of my life. Mm-hmm. I will change the circumstances. That's Which, amazing. again, I know are very related to his privilege because somebody in a situation, uh, in a different situation, would not have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, like this is him wielding his privilege in a way that is at least productive for him. And the fact he pays the crew, he treats them well. Um, yeah. He is using his privilege to explore mm-hmm. his own um, personality, his yes. own his own wants and needs, which could be perceived as selfish, um, especially we don't know what happened with his family yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
the people surrounding him, he is at least taking care of. He's not forsaking yeah. everyone around him. I mean, he may have forsaken his family. We still don't mm-hmm. know the situation. But um, so there's a little bit of darkness there. Um, I mean, I feel like given the fact that he's paying this crew that he's yes. never met before, he wouldn't have left his family destitute. Maybe yes, I'm making a wrong assumption, true. but that's kind of like my yeah. read on the man. Yeah. But. You know, assuming that his family is well taken care of, yeah. I will never fault anybody for, you know, leaving well, a situation true. that is slowly killing them. True, true. That my uh, my worry is for the children to grow up fatherless. Yeah. But you know, hopefully, well, mm-hmm. hopefully they'll explore this situation. And of course, no one's perfect, and so mm-hmm. and and. And someone who's perfect doesn't make an in, for an interesting character. So exactly. I'm not going to judge him for all of this, especially before it's all unveiled mm-hmm. to us. So yeah, I mean, this is the first episode. We're sort of like dipping our toes into this. Yeah, and um, yeah, no, overall a wonderful, uh, a wonderful episode. Wonderful introduction to Steed. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to hear more. Thank you so much for this beautiful message in the bottle. Can't wait to read more. <laughs> Thank you for visiting the Gentleman Pirates Library. Please do wash your hands before reading. Who knows what kind of dirt you found on the deck. Please also subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. You can send us a message in a bottle using the link in our show notes and Twitter bio. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us at Gentleman Pirate. That's the word gentleman, P-I-R, and the number eight. We'll be back next week with our coverage of book two. All right. Uh, what did the pirate wear on Halloween? Mm, a, a, a costume, a um, disguise. Mm. Oh. A pumpkin patch. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I love it. <laughs> These are so dumb. <laughs> and I love them. Just like Steve. I love them too.